Welcome to the Experience Garden Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Twitty, and you are listening to a new episode. On this episode of the podcast, I'm excited to share my recent conversation with Anton De La Cruz. Anton is a second year student in our full-time MBA class of 2024, and he is also the president of the Pride at Darden Student Organization. Anton and I connected to talk more about his background, how he decided to pursue an MBA, what led him to Darden, Pride at Darden's plans for the upcoming year, and so much more. I think you're really gonna enjoy this conversation. So without further ado, here is my interview with Anton De La Cruz. Anton, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Brett, good to be here. Uh, I've listened to your podcast many times since even before Darden, so excited to be a guest. Yeah, it's always wonderful. We have uh, a long-time listener, uh, first-time guest on the show, so thank you so much for for taking some time out of your afternoon for this conversation. How's everything going? How are you doing? You know, I'm doing great. It is beautiful in Charlottesville right now, Uh, not too hot, sunny, Uh, and it's also Darden Friday, which is also known as Thursday. Uh, so I'm looking forward to getting my weekend started. That's great. Anything exciting for your weekend? It is jam-packed. So tomorrow morning, we're having uh, the Darden Day of Service. And so I'm kind of taking a few hours to volunteer at a local nonprofit. Uh, and then after that, I'm going to be walking my dog and maybe doing a, a short hike. All right. That sounds very like a typical... Darden students weekend. Every time I've asked somebody <laughs> that question on, on the podcast, they've had no shortage of things going on. Very, very rare for somebody to say, I really have no idea what I'm doing this weekend. Well, the other big thing is, uh, so on Sunday is the Global Food Fest. And so I've volunteered with other Filipino and Filipino-American students to represent our cuisine. And so last night, I think we rolled several hundred uh, lumpia rolls. And so uh, looking forward to doing that. I did that last year, and it was a it was a lot of fun and uh, tasty. Yeah, tell tell us a little bit more about the the food that you decided to prepare. Um, I, I'm not as familiar with those rolls. Sure, sure. So uh, lumpia is uh, basically the Filipino version of an egg roll. Um, they are bite sized and delicious, and uh, I think, easy entry into Filipino cuisine. Uh, the other thing we're planning to serve is a dessert called halo halo, uh, which is basically layered ingredients. So we have different types of uh, canned fruits, um, uh, condensed milk, uh, and ube ice cream, which is a purple yam ice cream. Um, and then uh, last year, I manually shaved ice for every single serving. This year, we're buying shaved ice pre-prepared. And so I think it'll be less labor intensive, uh, but I think it'll be a, a, a fun cooling treat uh, on a Sunday. Is it easy to find purple yam ice cream? It is not. Last year, we bought every single box from Trader Joe's. And this year, uh, my friend, uh, who's also on my team found jars of purple yam. I'm not sure if she's planning for us to manually make some ube ice cream, uh, but I will find out this weekend what the plan is for that. Wow. All right. Well, Global Food Festival, always a highlight of the fall event calendar. Uh, it's, uh, I was talking with a colleague uh, about this event earlier, and she said, you got to get there early. Absolutely. Last year, I was sort of uh, pinned to the table. And so this year, I'm hoping some of now that we have a bigger team that some of my teammates can man the table while I get to participate and actually eat the food from everyone else's table. That sounds right. You know, you know, first year, okay, 
yeah, you're tied down, you're really busy. Second year, you should be able to roam a little bit more. Um, Absolutely. That, feel, that feels appropriate. All right. We're going to pull the seniority card this year. That's right. That's what benefits of being a second year. I have to believe it. So, well, Anton, so appreciate, again, you coming on the podcast to tell, tell more about your story and your experience here at, at Darden. Uh, so before we get too far along in the conversation, tell us more about your background. Who are you and uh, what did you do before coming to Darden? Uh, so uh, I'm originally from New York, born and raised. Uh, I was born in the Bronx and then grew up in a city called Yonkers uh, in Westchester County. Um, my I did my undergraduate degree actually in electrical engineering. Um, and so I did that for probably two years before I realized that I didn't want to be an engineer. Um, and so I thought about what else am I passionate about? Uh, the answer was creative writing. And so I sort of did this kind of 180 um, and finished out my degree uh, studying uh, specifically creative nonfiction. And so when I finished, I said, what do creative writing majors do? Uh, and my answer was, I guess they go to grad school. And so I made my way to Columbia, South Carolina, where I was studying for an MFA in creative nonfiction. And then I realized I didn't want to be a professor. And so I said, okay, well, got to work somehow. And so I started a career in administration and operations for small businesses. Uh, I loved Columbia, South Carolina, loved the people and friends that I had met. And so I began work at an alternative weekly newspaper as their, as their office and circulation manager, um, which was a lot of fun. It was a very casual kind of uh, bohemian culture. Our office was a large converted historical warehouse um, and our desks were uh, basically wooden slabs that were just like uh, placed next to each other. We had a ping pong table that we played ping pong on after our paper went to press. And so that was my first taste of uh, kind of being involved in small business. Uh, really enjoyed it. And then I got the opportunity to join a IT managed services startup. Um, and so going from, you know, the newspaper industry to something more IT startup related, I thought would be a fun uh, turnaround. I think you'll notice a pattern with me. I just like to switch it up every so often. Um, and so the, at that um, IT startup, I got to do a lot of the on the ground uh, planning. You know, how are we going to run our business? What are the rules we're going to follow? How are we going to measure performance? Um, and so it was uh, a really rapid sort of education for me on what it takes to start a business. Um, and so from there, uh, most recently, I moved on to a consulting and project management company, uh, and they manage projects involved in public-private partnerships uh, in regional economic development. So very like focused on improving uh, the local community. And so that's what drew me there. Um, and so after a few years, I realized that I had been working with business owners and entrepreneurs really closely, um, and I wanted to also take part in that, but I didn't have any formal business training. Uh, and so that's when I decided to pursue an MBA and that's what uh, led me to Darden. How did you get interested in Darden? Uh, so funny story, Brett, I was looking for a business school and just doing my research. Someone had mentioned, hey, you should check out Darden. They're very cool and I think aligned with your values. And I didn't know what they meant by that. And so I uh, listened to your podcast, actually. Um, and the one I listened to uh, was with uh, Ed Freeman. And I 
think the title of it was something like creating a new story for business. Um, and so I was interested in an MBA that was asking the same questions that I was thinking about. And so the things I was thinking about was, what is the role of business in society and how do we create organizations, um, for-profit organizations that improve the world, if that's possible? And so he was talking about those questions on your podcast. And so for me, uh, you know, I had this image of business school as being very cutthroat, very, uh, you know, students who uh, whose main goal was to enrich themselves. And I thought, that's not me. And I want to find a place that cares about, you know, transforming organizations. Uh, and so uh, listening to Ed, I was like, OK, Darden is a place that does that. And so that's where I want to be. Yeah, if you had those things on your mind, I can think of no better podcast episode for you to listen to than that conversation with Ed Freeman from our Office Hours series. Um, it's so much fun talking with the faculty and about their research and what they're passionate about. And, and Ed obviously being so instrumental and in, in bringing stakeholder theory uh, to the world. And um, that it was a tremendous conversation. I really enjoyed it. Plus, you also get to talk about music as well when you talk to Ed Freeman. So that's so much fun. Of course, he's in the faculty band and a, and a musician himself. So um, to come to Darden, you're a brand new first year student. Uh, what section were you in? I was in section D, Dragons, Go Dragons, uh, the best section, bar none. What Period. was that adjustment like? Uh, you know, coming from uh, coming from you know all these different twists and turns in your professional career. You're now in business school. You have a creative writing background. You started off considering engineering. Um, what was the adjustment to, to business school like? I think that. The biggest adjustment for me was the pace of the academics. Uh, you know, I was pre-warned that it would be an intense experience and that I should enter Darden prepared to prioritize and say no to things. Um, and of course, intellectually, I was like, of course I'll do that. But emotionally, I was like, I will be the one exception who will do everything. Um, I quickly found out after the first day that was not going to be the case. Um, and I think the thing that I had to get used to was uh, just just the endurance, I think, that uh, that is required, especially in the first year core, where we were studying, um, you know, we had three classes a day, uh, new cases every day. Um, we'll do that from eight to one, and then we'll have some sort of programming either club or career um, in the later afternoon. And then we'll meet with our learning team to prepare for the next day cases into the evening. And so it became a very full day that I had to uh, be intentional about carving out space for uh, time for reflection, because I think that's for me, that's a very important part of managing my day and my energy and not letting, not letting the experience kind of get away from me. And so I, I wanted to be very intentional about um, about making time for myself, making time for my dog, because I do have to keep my dog alive while I'm at Darden. Um, but yeah, um, I think the other thing that I had to adjust to was the kind of fast intimacy that happens among your section and among your learning team. Um, I think that's a result of, you know, you with our sections, right? We 
see the same people in the same classes for three quarters for a large amount of our day. And so there is a quick bond that forms. And so for me, I'm more of an introvert. And so I wasn't sure how that was going to play out for me. Um, but everyone at Darden is, is, is so nice and very accommodating for where for meeting you where you're at uh, in terms of, you know, the level of interaction you want to do. And so I, there were so many events going on that I felt the pressure to possibly say yes. Um, but I also felt like if I said no, that I would be invited to the next one and it was okay. Yeah, I think sometimes when people think about DART and case method, participatory learning, they think, oh, you gotta be an extrovert uh, to, to be a student here. And I will say from talking to people on the podcast, you do not have to be an extrovert. You could be an introvert um, and you can find your own path here. Uh, what would you say to those people who kind of wonder about this kind of more social learning experience, right? You're hearing all these different perspectives. You're having to speak up and participate in class as an introvert yourself. What, what would you say uh, to folks who might have that question? Yeah, I think that there is an anxiety about being wrong that some people might have. And Participating in class is not about getting the answer right or having the answer that ends the conversation, right? The, the participation part of the classroom is about advancing a conversation, right? It's not about you giving an answer in a lecture, right, and ending it. It's more about how do I guide the conversation forward, right? Or how do I better you know, elucidate a concept for the other people in my class, right? If you are already an expert in accounting, right? You're not there to learn the basic concepts, but you are there to be able to practice communicating those concepts to other people who don't have that background, right? And I think for me that that part is the the one of the kind of like cornerstones of the case method and being in a darting classroom. It's being able to either, you know, learn the content, safe space, non-expert, ask all the questions, um, ask the questions again. Um, and then from the other end, uh, being able to practice um, communication, right? And uh, distilling things down into uh, either simpler terms, examples, analogies, right? Using the full kind of toolbox of communication. And as like a writer, that was very uh, exciting for me, right? Because my particular class that like was my jam was ethics. Um, and so, being able to kind of play that role, um, having no finance or accounting expertise, but being able to speak well about um, uh, about ethics was was a treat in quarter three. Yeah, ethics being one of the required classes students take in the core curriculum here. Uh, it's obviously probably not a huge surprise to our listeners that this class was on your mind when you came to Darden, just given that, you know, you were thinking about the questions uh, that you were thinking about as you, as you started on your MBA journey. Um, what was it like to take that the ethics course? Uh, what you what you feel about, about that class? Oh, I loved it. I mean, I think that by quarter three, like I said, you do kind of bond with your section mates pretty quickly. Um, you can imagine that having a discussion around ethics and the different viewpoints can be somewhat contentious. But I think my section had really de developed uh, a comfortable space to disagree, right? Like we can have, you know, even I would say heed the disagreement, um, but still be friends afterward and want to hang out and maybe even 
respect each other's viewpoints a little more. Um, I think one of the things you have to be prepared for in a class like ethics is that um, there is no final answer. And it really is about the process of questioning um, through kind of the different frameworks, uh, absorbing other people's viewpoints, and then finally coming to your own decision, which does not have a kind of stamp of approval that is universal, right? It's more of, about being intentional about the decisions you make and the reasoning behind those decisions and being able to defend them. Was there a case uh, that you read in ethics that still sticks with you or a discussion that you and your classmates had that you still think about? I think sometimes, yes, there there is. And I think it's particularly surprised me because of the final place I landed, which was not one I expected to. So um, in brief, the case was around whether a pharmaceutical company should fund research to develop a drug, uh, basically not, not, not for profit. Um, and so, oh, this must be, might, this, this might get me in trouble, Brett. Uh, but, you know, I, I had, you know, based on kind of the, the thinking that I was going through, um, I had expected to, you know, always kind of be on the side of, of course, we're gonna develop this drug, it's good for the world. But where I landed after considering, uh, you know, reading the case, um, going into the classroom was actually we can't do this because this sets a bad precedent, and that if we develop this drug, I don't see why we, how we stay in business, uh, you know, developing drugs for free. And so I went into the classroom wanting my classmates to convince me otherwise because this was not a position that I wanted to have. Um, but, and so they did soften uh, my position a bit, which I was glad um, for them to do. Uh, but again, it's not, there is no single kind of answer, only uh, a viewpoint that you have that needs to be defended. Um, and sometimes a viewpoint that you have, you want it to be challenged successfully because you can't find a way out of it. And we had a mock class with Andy Wicks, a member uh, of the faculty who teaches uh, business ethics, ultimate questions, these kind of classes here at Darden. And he was talking to this mock class. The last thing he left this prospective students with was, what is it that would change your mind? As you think back on this discussion, you know, what piece of information, what argument would ultimately cause you to change your, your perspective, your opinion here? And I mean, that's not a question that gets off asked much these days, right? People are very entrenched uh, about their opinions and ideas. And I just thought that was such a great thing to throw out there because it sounds very true to your experience uh, in this class, like going to class and like, you know, I want to hear what other people have to say. Um, convince me that this is not what, what we should do. I, I, I want to I have people kind of present other alternatives. Yeah, 100% agree. And I definitely listen to that. <laughs> that class or episode or class from Andy Wicks. Um, yeah, no, I 100% agree that, you know, what there's no, when we talk about organizational of transformation or we talk about the MBA or Darden experience being transformational, uh, it's hard to transform if you're not willing to change your mind, right? And so, I, I, what is the phrase? Uh, strong opinions loosely held. Um, kind of taking that approach of having an opinion, expressing it, but then uh, 
I guess there is a certain enjoyment or revelment in having those opinions challenged, like not seeing it as, hey, you're wrong. So that is some comment on your character, intellectual acuity, but rather it's just kind of part of the process and fun of being in a classroom full of smart people uh, that have different viewpoints. Well, I loved your point around advancing the conversation. I think oftentimes in school, we're so conditioned to thinking about it. your answer is either right or wrong, right? If you raise your hand, you better know the right answer. And when I talk to faculty, I talk to students here, it is about moving the conversation forward. Even a wrong answer, you know, can be helpful to the conversation. Um, just put it out there. Um, continue the conversation. It will all get cleaned up. It'll all get uh, clarified as you go along. I think that's that that's the big shift from where people expect uh, you know MBA classroom conversations to be. Uh, this kind of like you know we're trying to advance the conversation, trying to work towards a decision here. That's different than what people typically have in mind. Yeah, I mean, if this if there if decisions were easy and easily collapsible into a single correct answer, uh, there wouldn't be a point to an MBA because we would just have the answer and people would always make the right decisions, right? The, the, the more interesting problems are the ones with multiple possible answers, right? The most interesting complex problems and the most important ones are ones where there are, you know, different stakeholders with different priorities and you're the manager having to make the decision of, you know, what is the balance? What are the trade-offs I'm making? Um, so one, you have to be aware of the content of your decision, right? Understanding the ripple effects it'll have on everyone else um, and accepting that these are the trade-offs you're making uh, for your decision. Well, Anton, how's your second year going? Uh, second year is a time of electives, club and organization leadership, all kinds of things. Uh, so how's second year going so far? You know, I have to say second year, uh, they say second year is the best year or second year best year. I find that for me to be true. Um, so uh, like you said, uh, second year is made up of all electives. And so all my classes are ones that I picked um, either because I like the subject or I've had previous experience with professors and I really wanted to take them again. Um, uh, in terms of club leadership, so I'm president of Pride at Darden and uh, that's been really ramping up these past few weeks in terms of planning new events, uh, getting to know the first years, um, and actually we're preparing for Ramba, which is the professional conference for LGBTQ MBA students. Um, and so my day has my days have been very busy between uh, you know keeping the pace with academics, but also uh, kind of like leading Pride at Darden and hoping that uh, people show up to our events. Is there a class you're taking right now that you're really excited about or really enjoying? I think something, so I'm kind of going back to my roots in electrical engineering. There's a class called data science, uh, which I've been really enjoying because uh, I'm getting to use some of my dormant programming knowledge. Um, so again, this is an area uh, of uh, experience that I can bring to the classroom that my other classmates might not have. Um, and then I just find it fascinating the way uh, we can use, uh, you know, data to kind of make predictions and make better decisions 
uh, based on that. Um, you know, I I think also today, you know, we're talking about AI and machine learning and all of that, and it's it's very cool. But also, uh, I think most people who talk about it don't actually know what's going on inside the black box, and so this is kind of like moving towards like maybe slightly opening up that box for me. And so I'm really excited. Um, there's a weekly competitions that we have um, to see who can create the most valuable model. And so I've been having a lot of fun working with my team uh, to try to outcompete uh, everyone else in terms of predictions. That's great. Um, have you been able to do uh, anything to kind of stay connected with that sort of creative writing or um, writing interest that you have? Yeah, I mean, uh, for me, it's a it's a it's a daily practice. Um, I think that since my time at Darden, the uh, format and length of work I do has changed. So, um, in creative writing, I mostly write uh, what are called lyric essays, which is a hybrid form between poetry and prose. Um, and so, typically, you know, my work is between 10 and 20 pages. But now I've been really getting into what we call flash nonfiction, which is more like, you know, it has different definitions, but uh, for me, it's like 500 words. Um, and so you kind of fit it in where you can. And so I've been keeping up with that uh, in terms of the creative side. The other thing that there's this um, club we have at Darting called Darting Stories, where it's an opportunity to tell a story, uh, uh, to, to the class and I've gone to several of those and I really enjoy it. They, uh, people typically tell stories about their lives that are meaningful and poignant to them. Um, and so it's kind of a, a safe space to kind of be vulnerable, uh, which, you know, I found very valuable in terms of creating connections um, and getting to know my classmates even, even more so. Um, and even faculty sometimes uh, participate in Darden stories and, uh, it's it's a highlight when I get when I get the chance to go. Yeah, it's a really cool organization. We've had uh, some of the leadership from Darden Stories on um, before, and it's I mean such a tremendous thing that people feel comfortable being vulnerable in that way, opening up in that way, sharing um, these stories from their own lives. Um, it says a lot, to, at least to me. It says a lot about about the Darden community and the, and the people who are here. Um, so you mentioned Pride at Darden. Uh, you're leading this organization. Uh, tell us a little bit more about what Pride at Darden is. Sure. So Pride at Darden is the LGBTQ um, club at Darden. Uh, we're an affinity club. I see Dar uh, Pride at Darden's mission as kind of three pillars. And excuse me for bucketing it like a consultant. But there are three kind of like big pillars of Pride at Darden for me. Uh, one is community. Uh, two is education and three is advocacy. And so when I say community, I mean um, creating, uh, making Darden a place where LGBTQ students can thrive um, and feel safe. Um, in terms of education, it's working with allies who have questions, you know, who may not know, uh, you know, what uh, things about sexuality or gender and just have questions. And so creating a space for, to be able to address those. Um, and then finally, advocacy, you know, making sure that uh, the Darden kind of like uh, the, the Darden demography is uh, uh, reflects kind of the, the community at large, making sure we have a diverse 
um, student population, making sure that and you know any policies or structures um, support us, um, and then encouraging uh, encouraging the cases to be representative and uh, being able to see protagonists um, that we can identify with. Um, yeah, and uh, you know we started in 1991. Not by we, I mean the organization. Not particularly me. Uh, but we started in 1991 um, and we've gone under various names, um, which is really interesting. Uh, I think one of the really interesting things about um, pride clubs at MBA programs, especially ones with a history of starting in 1991, is that the you can imagine that the role of these clubs has changed over time, right? Um, even within the past five years, you know, the LGBT community has, um, you know, we've we've had a lot of wins, but also we face we've at times have faced different kinds of obstacles. And so I, I, I think that Pride at Darden is able to sort of uh, adapt um, to the needs of the incoming students. And we're always looking to, um, you know, get a sense for uh, what support do students need when they come in, whether it be, you know, more social events or uh, do they just need, uh, you know, what, you know, time, one-on-one -on -one time to sort of uh, talk to someone who's been there. You mentioned that you're getting organized for the Reaching Out MBA or Ramba conference. Um, what other activities, events uh, does Ramba have planned uh, for the coming months? Uh, so Pride to in uh, over the next academic year. So we started uh, kind of these mini uh, movie nights. So we're going to have monthly uh, queer movie nights. First one we're watching uh, actually tonight. So uh, that'll be a lot of fun. It's just an opportunity for people to gather in a community space that's more low key uh, and, and not as intense. Uh, we have uh, celebrate Thanksgiving with uh, pride organizations from the law and medical schools in November. Um, and then our big event happens in April, which is our annual drag show. And the drag show for me is the highlight, high social event of the year for Darden. Um, so it is student run in terms of they perform, they choreograph, they, uh, you know, market, everything is student run. And we start basically in December recruiting people to participate in the drag show. And then they are rehearsing and uh, getting their show ready uh, by April. Uh, and we have faculty judges. Um, and actually, uh, so I've heard this said about our last drag show, but it's definitely a highlight for even long, long time Darden community members. Um, and at our last drag show, uh, there was an international student who said that, you know, I never thought that I would be able to see someone from my country perform in a show like this. And it just, uh, it just made my heart grow like three sizes uh, bigger to to hear that. So, you know, it sounds like it's just like a social like party, but really it has a lot of like deep significance for people who attend. Yeah, I can imagine that's very profound, which you just share the comment from uh, another student. I'm curious about your movie nights. Uh, not to put you on the spot, but uh, want to share any of the movies that you're that you'll be screening? Okay, well, our first one is Red, White, and Royal Blue, kind of keeping it light. This is the romantic comedy that recently came out based on a young adult novel, I believe. Um, we have a list of potential 
uh, movies. Uh, some movies that are on that list is, oh my gosh, you're putting me on the spot, right? I don't remember all, all the movies, but Carol is definitely one. Uh, uh, tu Wang Fu, if, if you're familiar with that one, uh, that was the one with Patrick Swayze, Wesley Snipes, and John Leguizamo. Um, there, uh, so those are two that are on the list. Um, and I will keep you in suspense for what the other ones is. It'll be uh, posted on our newsletter. So stay tuned. Well, that's great. And I figure sometimes when you ask those kind of questions, you know you're putting the person on the spot. I'm just, just curious about what y'all were thinking about Carol based on the Patricia Highsmith uh, book, Price of Salt. Um, gosh, Rooney Mara, Kate Blanchett. Uh, it was at the, uh, I believe it was actually the Virginia Film Festival the year that it came out, interestingly enough. So uh, full circle for Charlottesville. So, uh, um, well, Anton, I'm curious, what are you looking forward to in addition to all these exciting Rambo events? What are you looking forward to as as you uh, round out your, your second year? Anything that you have circled? You know, I'm really, this might be cheesy, but I'm really looking forward to uh, one, getting to know all the incoming first years um, and just finding out where their, what their stories are. Um, but then also kind of deepening the relationships that I already have with my, uh, with my friends. I think that in the first year there was, I think there was a tendency for me to, you know, we're recruiting so heavily for our summer internships. We're trying to keep up with the academics. We're, you know, doing all this stuff. Um, that uh, I think for me, I'd really like to reconnect with um, my learning team, uh, the close friends I met in first year and just uh, kind of making it a regular thing to just um, spend time with each other and, uh, you know, get to know them. And, you know, cause second year like, it will go by fast, I think. And so, you know, kind of treasuring this time we have together uh, is gonna be really important for me. All right, Anton, last question for you here. Uh, word of advice, something you encourage our prospective student listeners to keep in mind as they think about their own MBA journeys. I think that I would say consider the MBA process and the application process an opportunity to reflect and celebrate your own story and your achievements um, and use it as a yeah, use it as an opportunity to kind of reflect on your life and uh, celebrate where you've been and envision where you could go. It should be like a like a fun process. I know it. I know taking like you know GMATs and GREs is not fun, but the the part about being able to craft your own story and really see yourself in a new light um, and being asked to do that, uh, see it as an opportunity. It aligns with a lot of the advice that we give prospective students. Our boss, Donna Clark, talks about the importance of joy in, in this process. You're getting to dream. You're getting to spend, think about what's possible for you. Think about the future. Kind of think about, gosh, if I did this MBA program, what what could I do? Where could I go? Um, that should be exciting. And also, you're taking taking stock of all the incredible things you've accomplished over the course of your your life. Um, you know, so much of the work that you've done. Well, so much of the work that goes into the application process is already done. It's behind you, right? Now you just got to put the application together, figure out how you're going to craft that narrative, tell your story through the application itself. But hopefully that's a joyful experience. I know it can seem like a lot of work, as, as you mentioned, studying for the GMAT, GRE, standardized tests, putting these materials together, getting all the stuff together. Yes, that definitely takes time. But hopefully at the end of the day, like you feel like 
it's also an incredible opportunity to sort of celebrate all that you've done and also to to get excited about what's to come. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Anton, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Such a pleasure uh, talking with you and um, best of luck to, to Pride at Darden uh, as you uh, go forth with your movie nights, Ramba, and all these exciting things you have planned. Thanks so much, Brad. And that was my interview with Anton Dela Cruz, a second year student in our full-time MBA class of 2024 and the president of the Pride at Darden student organization. As always, if you have any comments, suggestions, requests, anything you'd like for us to cover here on the podcast, we're all ears. We can be reached at Darden, that's D-A-R-D-E-N, at virginia.edu. Until next time, stay safe, be well, and thanks for listening.